So Paul tells us in our epistle this morning from 2 Timothy chapters 3 and 4 that anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble. There's simply no getting around it in the world these days. Because there are those in the world, false teachers, false prophets, who will continue to exploit the faith. And the thing is that they are just as deceived themselves as they are deceivers to the people they lead astray. And as long as they're out there, things will only get worse. That's not like what we want to hear from uh, our apostles and our prophets, is it? That things will get worse. But we have to be realists as much as we have to be proclaimers of the truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. I always like it when Paul says, but as for you, but as for you, in other words, you're different. You have been set apart. You have been called as believers in Jesus Christ for a holy purpose. But as for you, as opposed to the world, never mind what they do. But as for you, Paul says, don't let those false teachers and false prophets, those deceivers, don't let them phase you. Don't let them influence you. Stick with what you have learned and believed, being sure of the integrity of those teachers and pastors who have taught you 
from the Scriptures. See, Paul tells us there's nothing like the written Word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of Scripture, Paul says, is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. And it's through the Word, Paul says, that we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. And so if you are in the Word, if you're in the Bible daily, if you study the Bible, if you attend church regularly and listen to sound biblical teaching, if you attend Wednesday night Bible study right here in the Fellowship Hall at 6.30 p.m., then you will know false deceptive teaching when you hear it. If you study the truth, then you will recognize a false prophet when you hear one. That's what Paul is saying to us. The way you learn to discern what is truth and what is not is by studying what is truth. So when you hear something that doesn't click with what you know to be true, what you have learned to be true, then it sticks out like a red flag, like a sore thumb. Paul says, I can't impress this on you strongly enough. God is looking over your shoulder. There's an image. Christ Himself is the judge, Paul says. With the final say on everyone, living and dead, he is about to break into the open with his rule. So proclaim the message with intensity. Intensity. With intention. Be intentional about spreading the message is what Paul is saying. He says, keep on your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. And then he has this one little sentence at the end of that paragraph. He says, just keep it simple. We have to keep the message simple and straightforward. It's not complicated, even though sometimes people like pastors make it complicated. Paul warns us that there is a time coming when people will reject sound doctrine. And I'm convinced that time is now. Sound doctrine, sound biblical teaching gives light and truth and hope to those willing to receive it. But to those who are all about self, those who have hardened their hearts to Jesus as Lord... To those people, sound doctrine causes them discomfort and this kind of inner angst, this inner turmoil. And they exist in this inner turmoil. Their self-righteousness and self-importance in conflict with the true person that God created them to be. That's the reason for the inner angst. I was created one way. I was hardwired by God to be the image and likeness 
of my Creator, but because of my self-will, my self-righteousness, my interest in me, 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 which doesn't go along with the way God created me, I have this inner turmoil. Those people hear biblical truth and it flies in the face of their narcissistic belief system, their all-about-me philosophy of life, and they reject the truth because it doesn't tickle their ears, as Paul says. It doesn't tickle their fancy. It doesn't meet their personal agenda or needs. But, Paul says, but you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive and do a thorough job as God's servant. Why? Well, Jeremiah tells us why. Jeremiah told us why? Yes, Jeremiah, right there in the front row, tells us why. He, he tells us why centuries before Paul ever wrote it down. He says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. So what's all this sour grapes talk about? Well, Jeremiah is saying that we must be in the Word. And we must proclaim the Gospel. And the time is coming when each individual will be held accountable for their own sin. Each individual is accountable. There is individual accountability for sin and there is individual retribution for sin. We can't blame our individual sin on those who came before us. can't blame it all on original sin. We can't blame it all on Adam and Eve. We can't blame our shortcomings on our parents, our grandparents. We can't blame it on our ancestors. Because it is on each of us alone. And that's why keeping our eye on what we're doing is so important. That's why knowing the truth and proclaiming it, learning it, and teaching it are so important. Because the way out of our individual retribution, the punishment that comes with sin, the only way out is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only way out is by the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for the sins of the world which is made up of each one of us as individuals. I, I can't emphasize that enough. The sin of the world is made up of my sin and your sin as individuals. 
so often we gloss over that. The sin of the world. Forgetting that we are the world. There's no other way out but Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a false teacher. Now the same way that Jeremiah told us why, he also foretold of this new covenant in which we are living. He said, the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. A covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No, do you get a chill when you hear that? I do. I'm going to read that again. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Short little sentence, but oh my goodness. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know Me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. See, centuries before Christ appears as the Messiah, as God in the flesh, Jeremiah tells of this new covenant God will make with His people. And it won't be the kind of covenant that's carved into stone tablets and carried around in a box called an ark. It won't be the kind of covenant that can be broken by the fickleness and frailty of humanity. No, this new covenant is different. It will be put within each and every believer. It will be written on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And in the kingdom of God, there will no longer be the need to teach people about God. Put me right out of work. Because they will know God firsthand. And God will wipe the sin slate clean and He will forgive our sins and He will remember our sin no more. What a gift that is. To have a God who claims us as His people. And when we accept that gift, He takes the slate and wipes it clean. Now, as we wrap up the message this morning, I want to impress on each of you what we have been discussing these many weeks. 
See, our mission as the church is to be missional. The prophet Jeremiah reminds us that as believers, the Word of God is written on our hearts. And this separates us in a holy way from the rest of humanity. The rest of humanity who perceives God's law only from the perspective of conscience. If they do choose to follow their conscience, and that's a big if in some cases, instead of following their self-centeredness, if they do choose to follow their conscience, which God has built into them through their creation, then they get a sense of what's right and wrong. But it's different for us as believers because the law of God is written on our hearts. Not only do we have a conscience, but we exercise it. And we exercise it because we have a love for the one who created us. It's a response to that love that causes us to be righteous. Because God's law is written on our hearts, written within us, it is now our nature to be responsive to the missio Dei, the sending out of God. Our missions and ministry outreach here at Countryside can then become a missional mindset. Not so much a weekend project, but a daily lifestyle. That, res- that, that need to respond to God's law written on our hearts, to the love of Christ within us, to the work of the Holy Spirit within us, causes us not to be able to rest, not to be able to be satisfied with simply being just another church in our community. No, it, it causes us to want to be the church. Be the body of Christ in motion throughout our community. Do you see the difference? We're not just that church that's across the street from the Baptist church. This is where the body of Christ meets to become equipped to go out into the community and be the body of Christ to the community. How do we do this? Well, for starters, when we feed the hungry, we remember to feed them spiritually as well as physically. When we give the gifts to the children at Christmas, we must also remember to give them the gift of an experience with the living Christ. And when we come to church to worship or we come to Bible study, we must remember that it's not just for us And we must try to include as many as we can bring with us. Not for the purpose of filling the seats, but for the purpose of filling their hearts. God is written on our hearts so that we would yearn for Him 
yearn for the knowledge of Him, yearn for the truth, yearn to learn more about who He is, and by extension, learn more about who He created us to be. And what He created us to do in the kingdom. So my prayer for each of you and for this church is that the word written on your hearts would move you to respond to God's sending in such a mighty way that this community would be drawn to Him by His light and the life that shines through you. May God breathe that life into you today and write it on your hearts. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.